Hello, everyone. You're listening to Peoria Business Champs, a podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners throughout the local area. Today's episode is brought to you by Foxy Online Marketing. Foxy Online Marketing creates websites, social media marketing, SEO, and more to help small and medium businesses stand out from the crowd. I'm your host, Jennifer Kulule. Here with me today is Buddy from Rabers. Buddy, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for inviting me. So um, we talked a little bit before we started our podcast, um, but just give us some um, the first two minutes and just talk about Rabers and uh, the history and, you know. So Rabers was started by two gentlemen, my great-grandfather Fritz Witterauer and Sam Raber in 1954. Um, they met each other. My great-grandfather was a German immigrant, and Sam was – uh, working um, downtown in the Slaughterhouse District is what we call it. Um, and they ended up getting together and wanted to do something smaller um, that was, uh, you know, they would be more in touch with the customers and stuff like that. And that's when they built Ravers in 1954. Um, it was only designed to actually work with um, harvesting livestock locally and then selling it to corner markets because back then we had hundreds of corner markets that sold meat on every corner. Um, and then things just, you know, have transitioned over the years um, where within maybe 10 years of 1954, we started selling retail to customers that would walk in the door. Um, and then, you know, we started making our own bacon and our own hams. And then, uh, you know, in the 90s, we started doing catering. And then, you know, in 2018, we burnt down. Um, we weren't in a great retail location in 2018, and, and uh, more than half of our business was retail sales. So, uh, I, when we wanted to rebuild, we wanted to move locations, get to a busier road, have more of a retail presence. And at the same time, our catering was a big part of our business. Um, I, I think the catering is really good for us because I think it's a good advertisement of our food. I think when we get to cook our food for somebody and, and they get to try it exactly how we want them to, to, to try the food, I think, uh, it's always good for the business side of it. So, um, then we expanded on that side of it. You know, we put in a full kitchen and now we have a banquet hall where people can, you know, rent that out and, um, do a lot of neat things with that. But they, uh, <clears throat> sorry, they, um, we've expanded on the catering side with the rebuild and we opened in 2021 in December, uh, December 1st of 21. So we've only been open, you know, about 14 months. So, um, we're really just kind of starting to get our feet under us and, um, you know, there's different aspects of the business that have grown since we've reopened more than what we thought. Um, we do lunch every day now. Well, six days a week, we don't do it on Sundays, but the store is open seven days a week now. Um, used to be six at the old location and now seven. And, um, you know, we've grown a lot compared to the old facility. Um, and when we rebuilt, this was just my idea of what, um, I thought the the building and the business should look like for the next 75 years. Yeah, it's a beautiful building. Well, thank you. Uh, it's 35,000 square feet. Is that right? It is. Yep. Yep. Right on it. So when you guys decided, okay, we're going to rebuild, rebuild, this is an opportunity for us to be position ourselves in a better location and kind of refocus everything. What was that process like, the, the planning of the banquet room? and? Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, I mean, the beautiful thing is you get to start out with a blank piece of paper, so you're not just doing an addition or you're not just doing a remodel. 
Um, but the, the time that it took, I mean, when I, I, I never really thought that we would burn down. That was never really, uh, something that I had ever spent any time with. Um, we did have insurance to help, you know, cover a lot of costs, obviously not all of them because of what we did. But, um, on the other side of that, you know, you start out with a blank piece of paper and then you decide, you know, what rooms, um, we're too small at the old place. What needs to be bigger? Where, where can we grow at? You know, what can we do as far as a banquet hall? Um, you know, those things, I mean, then you, you know, you're finding, well, one, you know, you're finding property because really didn't want to, uh, rebuild, spend the kind of money that we spent in the same location we were at. Um, then you're looking for property and you're dealing with different municipalities. Um, and we chose to be very close to where we were. And I think that made a lot of sense. Uh, we're just a half a mile from the old location Mm -hmm. and then you're getting contractors and you're finding the right contractor and then dealing with architects and doing the final design. And then, and then once all that happens, then all of a sudden now you become a, um, you know, uh, you know, now you start working on the construction and you're overseeing that on a day to day. So did you oversee that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't have anything else to do um, <laughs> besides work on that, you know, um, you know, like looking for equipment and um, traveling a lot and picking stuff up. I mean, we we drove a lot of miles in those few years uh, picking up equipment from different states and stuff like that and storing them in a warehouse so that when we were ready for it, we'd have it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I just basically became my own developer then for three years mm-hmm. and then had a transition back into the meat business after that. Um, so you were like a startup I mean, after to a, a pandemic extent, all like, over again. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, it, it definitely felt like a brand new business. But on the other side of that, we had a lot of experience. We had a lot of experienced employees come back. Um, so that helped out a lot as far as, uh, you know, a third of my employee base when we opened, if not a little bit more than that was, was people that I've already worked with for years, um, many years in, in most parts. So, uh, there's, you know, a few employees with over 20 plus years, a lot of them with 10 plus that came back and a lot of them with five to 10 years. So, That's amazing. Uh, you know, compared when you'd say startup, like I, I was lucky in the fact of bringing back those employees, cause it'd be very hard to start off with 70 employees that didn't know how you wanted stuff done and and didn't know what what their job really was Mm -hmm. um but it definitely felt like a new business and and a lot of the aspects that we added new parts to it like the banquet hall and stuff like that and um we still i mean to this day i mean the banquet hall uh leaves so many uh things available to still do that we just haven't even got around to in the first year um it definitely adds some neat things that we could do. We've never even opened it up technically to the public yet. Um, as far as having an event where the public can walk in, everything that we've done so far in the last year has been private parties. Um, we are going to open it up for the first time, though, on St. Patrick. Well, the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day, uh, West, the city of West Peoria is doing a St. Patrick's Day parade. Nice. And we will be having a corned beef dinner after that. And that'll be actually the first time we've opened that up to the public where they can actually walk in and purchase food or whatever in our banquet hall. So how did you um, pull your existing clients or customers back to uh, the new location? Was that a challenge for you? Um, I don't. I don't think that part was necessarily a challenge. I mean, I, as, as soon as we opened the doors, the amount of people that were walking in um, was a lot more than just existing customers. Uh, you know, and I mean, with the amount of sales we're doing now, I mean, it, it, we're not just selling to who we sold to before we're selling to quite a bit more than that. So, um, I think, I mean, like 
the reason why I wanted to be on the busier road was to have that presence and, and people uh, see, you know, the building and then, you know, people are waiting, anticipating it open. And it, it took a long time. I mean, we didn't get affected too much by COVID, but then towards the end we did. And we had some uh, issues getting a few things at the end that did set us back a few months there. And I know that there was some customers that were following it that um, maybe lost patience on how long that it took. But on the other side of that, you know, you're trying to build something that lasts 100 years. You don't really want to waste the the last month of, of shortcutting everything to try and get open too soon. Right. Um, but uh, we really did want to try and get open uh, in that December to, uh, you know, our Christmas hams are a big product. And we wanted to really try and have those out there that year. So we opened up in December and, you know, it was just a roller coaster ride of figuring the whole building out and stuff for quite some time. Um, someone was uh, telling me that um, you can bring a turkey into you guys and you'll smoke it and package it for like what seventeen dollars? Well, it used to be seventeen dollars. Used to be no more. But, <laughs> yes, um, it's twenty five now. That's still um, a really good so, deal. you know that started out years ago. Um, you know the grocery store is selling twenty nine cent turkeys and stuff, and um, what we were just allowing people to do is go buy that twenty nine cent turkey and then bring it to us and we'd smoke it. And I mean. You know, when I was younger, I mean, when I was little, it was probably $10 or $8 mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do it. And uh, But it is a lot of work because, you know, you bring their turkey in, you got to thaw it out. It, they always come in frozen. And then you got to keep each one separate. We tag each one. We cure each one separately, uh, hang them in the smokehouse, and then pull them out and then keep their tag with them. To, and then so it is a, a very labor-intensive product to do one at a time kind of thing. So... But we do do that, yeah. Yeah. The person that told me said it's the best turkey that you'll ever have. <laughs> well, when we cure them, we add, we add water and salt and sugar and stuff. So, you know, turkey can tend to be pretty dry, you know, especially when you're cooking them for Thanksgiving and stuff. It's hard to keep them moist unless you're going to sit there and baste them every five minutes. But So we actually add moisture to them and we add flavor to them. And my grandpa always said that, you know, a, a turkey tastes like whatever you make it taste like because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't necessarily have a lot of flavor to mm-hmm. them. They're very, very mild in flavor. So um, with what we do with them, adding, adding the sugars and the salts and then, um, you know, adding the smoke, uh, we produce a really nice product that um, you, you don't just get with just roasting a turkey. So you grew, you grew up working in, in the uh, shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, fourth grade, I think it pretty much is when I, I was probably 10. I started working in the office on Saturdays, um, you know, helping count the money, uh, stamping checks on the back, pay to the order of. And, and I, I don't know. It, at that time, my grandma may have recounted everything uh, that I counted, but that was my job was to count that stuff. Um and then, you know, just moved up maybe a few years later, started working in packaging room. And then um, after pack, well, one job I did uh, when I was younger, maybe probably 15 years old or so, I, I used to clean up on Saturdays. I used to clean a lot of stuff. And um, I thought it was a really important job, uh, what I did on I, uh, this part. Is, I, I just always find the story funny. I And then my grandpa moved me from the cleaning into the packaging room at one time, and I was so worried, like, who was going to clean all this stuff up on Saturday? Well, I mean, you know, little did I know the employees just cleaned their own stuff up, and and really that job wasn't even that necessary. So I moved to packaging at that time, and then after doing packaging for a little while, I moved uh, to the retail store, worked quite a few years in the retail store, and really got to learn that side of it. And 
at that time really got to learn more about cutting meat and stuff like that. And then uh, after that, I moved into curing and sausage making. Uh, we make all our own hams and bacon. And um, there's only been four people that have done that in the longevity of our company right wow. now. Um, and then sausage making on the same token, we've only had four people that have made that, uh, done that job um, in our history. So I, I got to learn those and I did those for uh, about 10 years. And now uh, two of my brothers, one does the sausage making and one does the ham curing. So it's all in the family on those sides. What, what was your favorite job? Oh, my favorite job? I don't know. I, um, that's tough to say. I've always liked the retail side of things. I've liked dealing with the customers. Um, I enjoy that side, you know, um, selling people stuff that I know they're going to like. Uh, I would say that's probably my favorite side. And I mean, um, I don't dislike any of them uh, by any means. They all have their ups and downs. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes dealing with customers isn't the easiest thing. So, you know, you could say the packaging's nice. You come in, you do your job, you leave and get paid at the end of the week. So, that, I mean, that's there's just always something to do. Um, but uh, if you look at the, the building now and the store now, I mean, you can see that I, I have a big emphasis on retail sales that we really wanted to try and go out there and, you know, bring in more customers um, to West Peoria. And I think we've done a good job on it. On the other side, mm-hmm. I didn't want to be a grocery store. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we do sell a lot of items that go along with buying meat, you know, that you can make dinners and meals with. So I wanted to be able to do that. But then on the other side, we don't sell toilet paper or, or right. you know, um, anything like that. But so I think it I think it turned out exactly how I wanted it to. I didn't want anything too big on the retail side, but I, I did want to be able to um, offer everything that we're offering right now. Yeah, because there's nothing worse than a grocery shopping and you need like one thing. Yeah. You got to go to a whole different store to get it. Well, and that's, <laughs> and that's how our old store was. I mean, we didn't have produce and stuff like that. I mean, we had baked potatoes, but after that, that was about it. So, you know, it was always like you'd, you'd come down there and want to get meat, but then you probably had to go somewhere else I'd to get, get something onion, else. Right, and, yeah. and, you know, I really wanted to try and solve that issue for us as, and our customers and, you know, on the other side of that, like you look at the store and then you see the banquet hall and all the neat things that we can do in there. Um, we've had meat judging contests and stuff where high school kids or college kids come down and we're, you know, we have all the pieces put together there in the building of what we do and we can offer stuff like that. And then we have the banquet hall where they can go and have lunch or dinner and give out their awards and stuff. And it just really all ties in together really nice. I think so, too. You mentioned that you work with two of your brothers? Yes, two of my, I have three brothers, two of them work at the plant, and then my mom and dad, um, my great uncle Alan, which was my grandpa's brother, and then uh, his daughter works there. Oh, wow. Um, I have five boys, so I can't imagine working with that many family members. I think statistically they say um, 90 or 95 percent of family-owned businesses fail? What's your secret? What do you think (laughs) makes it work? Well, I mean, on that statistic, I think a fourth-generation business has like a half of a percent of succeeding. Um, I think for us, though, we've diversified just like any company that's lasted 100 years. I mean, if you look at companies that have lasted 100 years, most of the time they might not even be selling the same thing that they started selling 100 years ago product-wise. I think for us, though, is we've continually done diversified over over everything we're doing. I mean, when we first started, um, all we did was harvest animals, 
cut those into big chunks that were then moved on to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then we started cutting them into smaller pieces. Then we started making them into hot dogs. Then we started cooking the hot dogs for individuals where they can eat them hot, you know. So um, we've continually diversified our company um, into so many different uh, smaller businesses. And I think that um, is is one part of it. I think on the other part is the quality. I think we've... I. I we try and hold everything to the highest quality we can make. I mean, if you have a hot dog there, I, I, I hope that you think it's the best hot dog you ever had, or at least the best quality. Um, we do an all pork and beef hot dog. We do an all beef hot dog. There's no fillers. Um, it's, it's not stuff that you can generally just buy at most stores. Um, and if you can, it's very expensive, um, m- more expensive than what you can get with us. So I think the quality of the products is one thing that brings people back continuously. Like, like I said, Christmas hams at Christmas time, it's a family tradition for a lot of people. I think it's the best ham that money can buy. We make those right there at the plant. Um, our bacon is, um, something that brings people in. Those are recipes that come from the forties and the fifties. Those aren't recipes that came from what people are trying to make now and they're trying to make it cheaper and they're trying to do this and they're trying to do that. They're just very old recipes that we haven't changed. So, um, so it I sounds think, like the whole family is on the same accord as far as legacy and quality and being part of the community. Like everyone has that same sentiment. Oh like. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about like our sausage making with one brother doing it and our ham curing with another brother and they have help. They don't do it all by themselves, but, um, you know, you just want to make sure that that stuff's at the level of quality that you want when it goes out. It's a, quite a legacy, you know, to, that you guys have created. Yeah, I mean, I'm the fourth generation. Um, I have three daughters. Uh, One of them works there off and on. Uh, One of them I've tried to get to come to work, and she doesn't really want to. (laughs) And then one of them's only five. So, um, To be determined. (laughs) You know, I took the company over from my grandfather. So, um, you know, we still have a long ways before we have to figure out what we're going to do as far as a successor. But I did not build it just for... Uh, my generation. So I, I mean, I built a thing out of concrete. Um, you know, I built it so that a fire wouldn't probably ever be able to destroy. Uh, it'd be a very small percentage mm-hmm. of the building. It would never be destroyed fully again. Um, you know, I built a thing to last a hundred years. I think it shows. Um, and, and, and if you walk around it and stuff, so, uh, you know, we, we plan to be around for a long time. One thing, uh, I wanted to, uh, bring up, is you guys do a great job with your social media. <laughs> I, I mean, well, it's just me. I do the social media. Um, started doing it, oh, man, I don't know. It's probably been 10 or 12 years, I would guess, if I had to. And um, kind of just started out as a thing of just, uh, you know, trying to get out, do, doing sales every week on a product, promoting a product. And, you know, the fastest way to get that to the consumer, I felt like, was social media. So um, we have very little Instagram uh stuff going on but facebook um i think it's it's harder and harder to use it i don't think it works as well as it did 10 years ago for sure um but i i just can't quite figure out how the algorithms work these days i'm not smart enough to do that but it is the easiest simplest way for me to get out what we're doing that week Mm -hmm. um i do have a really good following you do Um, yeah i i know it's it's probably up there in the top five in peoria maybe um it's hard to beat the civic center. (laughs) Um, but, uh, no, I mean, it's just the easiest way for us to get that out there. And, and like one time, um, 
kind of started, I had somebody wanting to sell me some advertisement for the holidays and they wanted to do a seven week campaign Mm -hmm. and it was going to cost me $700, I think. And I thought, man, I was just getting ready to sign the papers and do radio for seven weeks and it wasn't going to be a lot of ads, but just a few ads. And I thought to myself, I was like, man, if I just gave a hundred dollars a week to my customers, like I, I feel like I'd probably get more traffic than what I would probably get on this radio station. And that's what I did. I just gave away a hundred dollar gift card every week for seven weeks and I got a ton of traction on social media. So rather than, you know, paying for advertisement and stuff like that, we uh, just generally give that back to our customers and cut out the middleman again. (laughs) Yeah. I, I mean, I hate to say it that way, but that's kind of what we've done on it. You know, I mean, I may do like say chicken wings last week for the Super Bowl. We sold five pound bags for eight ninety, and oh, wow. you know, you get oh gosh, at least a thousand people that came in and bought that product. Well, that's a thousand people I knew walked in my store. Um, so I mean, the cost of that um, trying to acquire that customer to walk in your store is very expensive. And I think I just I just give that money off the chicken wings and give that to the consumer for them to walk in, and it's just me trading money with them and um, not middlemaning that project. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Nobody knows your customers better than you. you Yeah, it's worked Mm -hmm. out really well for us. Um, It gives us the opportunities to promote things that we want to promote and talk about things we want to talk to. And, um, yeah, most of the time I'm just giving the money back to the customer. Um, This is a conversation I have a lot, um, but advertising has changed so much. Um, I know in advertising they talk a lot about the CPM, the cost per thousand. So if you advertise on a billboard, they're charging you per thousand people that are going to see it. Yeah. The radio, same thing. Um, phone book, whatever the case may be. The thing about social media and online marketing is the cost per thousand is so low. And you can direct them to your website or to get their email address so you can keep in touch with them in the future. You can't click on a billboard. (laughs) Right. Well, it's, it's a tough one that we, we discuss quite a bit and try to figure out, but I mean, with the cost of like what it costs me to acquire a customer, I think on Facebook or Instagram is, is generally fairly cheap. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, for what I would pay for a billboard on a pretty trafficked road and stuff like that. And and, you know, the whole idea of just billboards, I mean, if, if it's just my normal commute to work, then I'm probably driving by it. Well, not only that, it. people aren't even looking at the road, <laughs> let the alone so, billboards are on their um, phone. <laughs> I mean, I, I do think that they probably have a good purpose. I think they have a good purpose for certain businesses, but I just don't know about mine. And um, the other thing for us is, like, we like to run weekly specials, mm-hmm. and you can't do that on a billboard. Right. Um, I mean, we feel like right now that money-wise, like, it would probably be in our best interest to put a sign on our property that, uh, you know, electronic sign that we can change frequently just to do sales on a weekly basis. And That's a great idea. And we have twelve to 15,000 cars a day. So, I mean, you know, but I need something that I can change frequently. Um, we're not running a sale generally for a whole month. We're Nobody's going to buy pork chops every week of a month. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, you know, something like that I, I could see putting – uh, money towards that as far as an advertising expense for us and I mean someday if 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 money was easier maybe I'd get a billboard or something like that but I just don't think I don't think it serves us right right now yeah and I and I would almost say like for what you know if you can pour if this avenue is working for you you know like like you said if I dump the money in over here yeah like I said, giving it back to the customers, it's just, I mean, that's what we've been doing for the last 10 or 12 years, and that mm-hmm. just seems like 
it works really well. Yeah. So. Who would you say is your most influential person uh, or mentor, rather personal or professionally? Well, I mean, that's, I mean, one, there's, I have a lot of mentors. I mean, obviously, I mean, if you, but I mean, one that comes to mind would be my grandpa. I mean, my grandpa uh, ran the company for approximately 50 years. Uh, My grandpa had three daughters. My mom's the oldest, um, two sisters, and he had no sons. So when I was born, I was the oldest grandson at the time. And, you know, he just kind of took me in from a very young age. And um, I hung out with my grandpa. Uh, He was, you know, I have a lot to do with my my dad also, but, you know, my grandpa was a father figure in my life. And, uh, you know, he brought me up in the company and that's why I was working at such a young age on Saturdays. And, um, we spent a lot of weekends together and spent a lot of time together. Um, he passed away right before we were able to open the building. So Mm. he didn't get to see that he did see, um, the construction of it. Um, you know, he was one that, um, was very dear to him to try and rebuild. Um, he did really want to see that, uh, go on to another stage. So that was a big thing for him was getting to see that we got that far. Um, but you know, I mean, he's the one that, uh, you know, I grew up with in the business. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. No, it's okay. Me and my, uh, my grandmother, my dad's mom, we were really, really close. She was my best friend. She passed away in 06 and you kind of feel like Bambi almost. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of things he probably wouldn't understand in the new business um, that would confuse him a lot. We definitely use computers a lot more than we used to. Um, that part would be very hard for him to get involved with. But on the other side of that, I think he would. Um, one thing I think my grandpa really loved is my grandpa really loved to feed people. Um, he really, I mean, not just sell meat, but be able to cook it for them and be a part of that. And I think uh, with what we're doing on the lunches now, I think that would be something that he would really love. Um, we feed, you know, generally almost a couple hundred people every day on our lunches. And that would be something that I think he would really be proud of and, um, really love to see that part of it. And, um, when we were building it, it was, you know, what was talked about in the plans and stuff. But I think if he could have seen what that actually turned into, I think that'd be something that he would, he would really like. Um, I'm not saying he didn't like selling meat and stuff like that, but I, he really liked going out to places, cooking food for people and, and, and being a part of that. And I think now we've brought that home where we're doing it six days a week, right, right in our building. And I think that would really be neat for him. I feel like no matter how much technology changes, I think the, the tried and true principles of um, business, taking care of your customer, the quality, I think those things, no matter what happens technology-wise, are going to be what makes a business successful. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, on that note, you know, um, technology helps us do what we're doing um, with creating so many more sales now than what we had at the old place. The technology stepped in and helped us be able to organize that better. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other side of that, like, you know, if you look at the grocery stores and stuff, you know, they, they keep taking away the personal effect of the shopping experience. And I absolutely hate that. And I know it costs money. I know it costs labor to have cashiers and I know it costs money to have people there that can cut meat exactly how you want it cut. And I'm really hoping that for the future, you know, in the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years for us, that having that customer service that we offer, I really hope that there's at least enough of a percentage of people that still like that. Mm -hmm. And I think it shows in what we're doing down there. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of places that are almost even getting rid of their delis in the grocery stores, you know, and, and everything's pre-sliced and, you know, you can't get what you want. But, I mean, you can get stuff, but maybe not exactly what you wanted. And, and you know, the steaks, they're cut and they're two per package and this and that. And you, you know, well, you needed three, but, you know, where you can come down to Ravers and you can get exactly what you want. You can get stuff cut exactly how thick you want. You can talk to a a meat cutter or butcher you can talk to the deli workers and you can ask them you know their suggestions on stuff and i i really hope that um you know as time goes on that there's still an amount of people that really want that i I don't think people want to go to the store and not deal with a cashier i don't i mean there may be a few people that like it they think it's convenient but i think a large percentage of people miss that interaction you know that's your you know your time to talk to people and socialize and stuff like that and i i don't want us to ever get rid of that yeah, I think uh, what you guys are doing um, is delivering a quality product, and people will always seek you out and pay that f- extra just for the, the service and the quality of the product itself. Because if you want a good steak, your first thing is not to think of a chain store, you know. Yeah, that's that's what I hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so a little bit more on that note, um, just in general, what – um, traits do you feel uh, a business needs to have in order to be successful? What makes a business successful? Ooh. Well, I mean, for me, I think quality, you know, I mean, but I mean, there's obviously a lot of businesses that have been successful off of selling low quality. Um, so, but I mean, from my standpoint, I feel like um, it's our only option, you know, is to try and produce something that we're really proud of. Um, I don't want to ever produce products that I'm not proud of. And I, I think that, you know, there's some products out there you can buy that you could say those people cannot possibly be proud of that, but they're, they, they don't have to be. I guess they sell enough of it that they're successful. But I, I think quality, I mean, I think quality and customer service for us, you know, um, definitely customer service for the last year. You know, we had a lot of growing pains and, um, you know, I think we're continually getting better daily. And I think as every year goes on, you know, we'll continually get better also. Um, when we get done with the holidays, we look and say, wow, what could we have done better this holiday? And, you know, try and pick out a few things so that next year we can try and put those into, into play and, you know, be more efficient or get stuff done sooner and, uh, you know, be able to produce a higher quality product or, or what it ever be. Um, and I think every year we'll continue to get better. Um I know we have a lot of history and we have recipes and we have all these things, but with being in the new building, it's, it's felt so much like a new business that we've had to kind of relearn a lot of things. But, um, I think as time goes on, I think we'll just continually, uh, get better with our, with our quality and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't know for us, it's, we focus on quality. So I, I'm going to have to go that route on, on what makes us successful. And one more question is, how do you do such a good job? Because you have 70 employees, you said? Yeah, we have about 70 employees. How do you keep everybody on the same accord? <laughs> well, I mean, every department has somebody that they can go to that's in charge. Um, uh, most of those employees, not all of them, have been with me for a long time. So, um, you know, in saying that, you know, most of the time I'm dealing with maybe 10 people of exactly what I'm trying to get done or how I want something done. And most of the time those 10 people know, you know, have had um, worked for us for a long time and know what I'm looking for and know what I mean when I ask for it. So it's not that I'm dealing with 70 employees individually every day. 
Um, but I do spend a lot of time, you know, walking around the plant and, and, and working on different stuff. And like I said, when we get done with maybe one project or one season, um, we take a look at that and see what we could do better and then talk about it as a group of, of, you know, next year, I'd like to see us doing this or, or even next month, or maybe it's right now. Um, so do you intentionally set weekly meetings or monthly meetings or no, quarterly? we don't really have any certain times where we meet or anything. It's something that we probably should do. We probably should meet weekly or monthly, but you um, just have I mean, like I your 10 to, core people. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. talk to those people every day, mm-hmm. um, about different stuff and we go over different things and, um, you know, as it is right now, just I meet with everybody individually and we talk about it as I'm walking through the plant and stuff in the mornings or, or all day for that fact. So, um, but I definitely just have, you know, employees that I depend on more than, sure. than others to make sure that we're getting done what we're supposed to. And are, th- are those people usually your managers? And, yeah, and... there's supervisor roles where um, it, it, it kind of gets separated into rooms. You have, you know, a fully cooked uh, packaging room where there's one person that I deal with mostly there. But it's not that I don't talk to the other ones or sure. anything, but uh, tell her what, uh, you know, I want to get done and stuff. And then um, we have one person in charge of the deli. We have a person in charge of the meat room. We have a person in charge of processing, a person in charge of the harvest floor. Um, so just putting the right people in the right place. and. Yep, that's the goal. Yeah. Anything that uh, we didn't mention or talk about? Oh, I don't know. I think we talked about <laughs> all of it, kind of. Um, no, I mean, I, you know, I, we try and, uh, you know, one thing that was kind of something on my mind in rebuilding this is like kind of what we can do for the community and kind of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what sets us aside from the chain stores and stuff like that. Um, you know, and, and we've, we've done some of that stuff. Uh, we've done uh, different stuff for the community, and I think there's a lot more that we can do with that banquet hall and, and the facility that we have there. So I think... Um, you know, in the future, I think it'll be neat to see that side of it grow. Um, there's still uh, a lot of things that I have on my mind that I'd like to do there. It's just hard for me to uh, run the business and uh, keep growing that at the same time right now. So if someone wants to reserve the banquet room for um, a graduation or a wedding reception, they can do that now, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, really this year, I mean, as far as between spring and fall, I mean, four out of five Saturdays most months are taken. Um, but you know, there's a lot of Fridays, there's a lot of Sundays, um, there's a lot of weekdays. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we, we reserve the room now. Um, as far as next year goes, I would say it's pretty open. Um, but you know, the, the Saturdays this year are filling up pretty much. Um, I think it'd be a great space for like a business or a work event too. It is. Yeah. We've done like breakfasts for work events that want to do like safety meetings and stuff like that. Um, you know, a lot of uh, family reunions, um, school reunions, uh, high school reunions, stuff like that have been a big thing also. Um, how do people find you online? Well, we do have a website. I um, mean, it, it's fairly vague. Um, we don't, it, it has some information on there. Um, it can connect, connect you with us emailing. And then as far as like to see exactly what's going on on a week-to-week basis, it would just be to look us up on Facebook. Um, That's the easiest way to see what the sales are or any specials that we have going on and stuff like that. And what's your Facebook page name? Just Raber Packing Company. Okay. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Peoria Business Champs. A huge thank you to our guest, Buddy from Raber's. 
Also, thank you to our listeners. If you haven't yet, please join our Facebook group, Peoria Business Champs, where you can see more behind-the-scenes interviews, local events, tips, and more. You can also find us on YouTube. Thanks again, everyone, and have a good rest of your day.